Chapter 14, Meatheads and Monsters. The battle didn't last much longer. Between Dante's club and the newly discovered knowledge that the hands would explode in the campfire, the fighters made quick work of the rest of the manos. Pao told, told Dante more than once that she was fine, but he didn't seem to believe her. He hovered every second his club wasn't necessary until they had rounded up the last mono and scoured the camp three times over for any more hidden predators. When Marissa and Naomi declared the area clear, everyone in the vicinity seemed to collapse right where they were, Pau and Dante included. As the adrenaline ebbed, her glands were getting a heck of a workout today, every part of Pau ached. Her throat and neck were by far the worst, but her arms and legs were sore too, and her nose was full of the rank odors of singed flesh, green goo, and the former contents of her stomach. She had never been so exhausted in all her life, but her mind was still going a million miles a minute. Who made the mono release me, she wondered, as she was surrounded by the sounds of weary niños recapping the battle. Had that voice been real, or just part of her delirium? When she could, Pau sat up, finding Dante close beside her. It was both a comfort and an annoyance. She felt like a hairball coughed up by the neighborhood cat. Dante, on the other hand, looked like a hero. You okay? he asked, getting to his feet and pulling her up after him. Stop asking me that, Pau snapped, her impatience surprising her. Sorry. Pau saw him deflate a little. His heroic glow seemed to dim. She didn't want to be happy about that. She wasn't a monster, was she? It's okay. It's just... To make up for her crappy thoughts, she was going to tell him about her near-death experience and the weird voice. She really was, but just then, Naomi walked up, looking almost sheepish. This ought to be good, Pau thought. Contrite wasn't a side of Naomi they'd seen before, and Pau didn't want to miss it. So Mariska is asking, Marissa is asking everyone to meet in the mess tent to plan the cleanup. Did you want us? Did you want to drag us off to a dark corner first so we don't get in the way? Pau asked, siphoning off her confusion and frustration on Naomi was much more satisfying than doing it to Dante. Naomi didn't wilt in response. She bristled. But whatever Naomi initially wanted to say, she swallowed it. Look, you guys saved us out there. The club, the thing with the fire, we never thought we'd never thought to burn the hands before. That was really good. I'm I'm Pau was a chronic finisher of other people's sentences. It wasn't her best quality, but this time she let Naomi wrestle with the words until they finally bent to her will. That was satisfying, too. I'm sorry, Naomi said finally, like she was spitting out a porcupine. I shouldn't have tried to get you out of the way. I shouldn't have left you alone unprotected. It was foolish and it won't happen again. Pau wanted to say something snarky, but Dante stepped forward before she could. People make mistakes, he said, sticking out his hand for Naomi's, for Naomi to shake. They don't define us. It was a totally heroy thing to say, Pau thought, and she hated it. She also hated how Naomi took his hand and looked up at him, her smile dazzling against the dark brown of her skin. She shook his hand for a beat too long, and the way Dante tossed the hair out of his eyes and grinned back was utterly nauseating. Where was the petulant kid who had yelled at her in the tent before the fight? Where was the boy who had cried over his grandma? Why did he always insist on changing, just when Pau was starting to get the hang of knowing him again? So, cleaning, Pau said too loudly. They both looked at her in surprise, like they hadn't realized she was still standing there, as if she had anywhere else to be. We're cleaning, right? She said, to cover her urge to slink off and skulk. Monster parts and goo and probably blood all over the camp. Sounds like a blast. 
You should get your neck looked at, Naomi said finally, turning away from Dante. It's starting to bruise. She stepped closer to Pau, examining the exposed skin of her throat. Pau resisted the urge, just barely, to growl at her like a dog. I've never seen anyone get away from a mono once it's locked on like that, Naomi said, shaking her head. How did you do it? I'm just that good, I guess, Pau said, piling, pulling up the collar of her t-shirt. Naomi rolled her eyes, but it was almost affectionate this time. Mess tent, five minutes, she said. There will be medics there. How did you do it? Dante asked quietly when Naomi had jogged off to round up the stragglers. Now is the time, Pau thought, her inner voice stern. She had to come clean, tell Dante about the voice that had saved her, tell him that for some reason she had been given a pass. But his face was so earnest, and he looked so impressed, and all Pau could think about was the way he had smiled at Naomi and how beautiful she looked next to him. My mom's always telling me to cut my fingernails, she said, holding me, holding up the two long, slightly ragged things for him to see. Good thing I don't listen. I just dug them into the hand and pulled until it let go. Cool, he said, and there it was. The same grin he'd given Naomi, maybe even a better one. We did it, okay? We did it. We did okay, right? We did great, Pau said, high-fiving him. The arma Alma was still hanging from his left hand, but as Pau watched, it started to change. For one absurd moment, it looked like a plush version of a club, like a toy weapon you'd buy at Target. But in another moment, it split open down a seam and got smaller and smaller until it was just a boy's slipper again. Whoa, Dante said, and Pau nodded her agreement. You think your abuela ever made it turn into a weapon just for fun? Pau asked, an undignified giggle escaping her sore throat. She winced. I can just picture her, Dante said, smiling and shaking his head. Walking back from Bingo, stopping in a dark alley, swinging it around to see, uh, swinging it around a little to see how it feels. I wish she had come to tell us. I wish she'd had time to tell us where she got it and stuff. Pau said, as Dante lovingly folded it in half and stuck it in his back pocket. Me too, he said, his smile fading. I hope she's, she's fine. Pau said, before he could finish, she will be. We'll make sure. We were pretty awesome tonight, Dante said, holding his arms, holding out his arms for hers as they set off for the mess tent. Pau took it instead of answering, another pebble of guilt dropping onto the pile of already sitting in her stomach. What would happen if they had to fight hand monsters again, or even worse ones? Would everyone expect Pau and her fingernails to be able to hold their own? Fingernails, she chastised herself as they passed the fire pit of all the stupid things. In the sky above the tent, Naomi had pointed them toward a single star. A single star was visible. Pau felt her shoulders relax just a little under the weight of the secret she was carrying. It felt like a good sign. Tomorrow, they would find Emma. Every one of you fought bravely, Marissa said, was saying to the crowd when Pau and Dante walked in. There were no tables or chairs, just old wool blankets and crudely stitched cushions on the floor. They found a place to stand in the back, and Pau was surprised by how many niños were stretched out in front of them. At least thirty. She'd never seen them all gathered in one spot before. They seemed to range in age from four to fourteen. Now the danger had passed. Pau felt restless, thoughts of Emma surging in. Surely if all these kids if all these missing kids had survived, Emma would have too. But if she wasn't here, where was she? Was she out in the choking darkness alone, facing Manos and Chupacabras without protection? And what if she wasn't alone? What if whoever was sending the monsters had taken her? 
Pal couldn't get comfortable, not when she didn't know whether Emma was safe. She would hear out Marissa, and then she would get her questions answered. Naomi sat beside Marissa, her back straight, her chin jutting proudly, but the rest of the kids were exhausted. Pal could see. Pal could see. They limped around, their shoulders slumped, or lay on the blankets, propping their heads on one another's laps and poking at the wounds. Tonight we will rest, Marissa said, a ring of authority in her voice. Tomorrow we will get the camp in order and prepare to fight again. The third quarter ends tomorrow at midnight, just as the summer solstice begins. They haven't overlapped this way in 28 years. The barrier will be weaker than ever for a time. She tossed a half-unraveled braid over her shoulder. The rift creatures will be back, she continued. Her eyes seemed seeming to pierce all of them at once, and they will be desperate, but we will be ready. I promise you that. Marissa made what looked like a hashtag symbol with two fingers from each hand over her chest. It must have meant something to the assembled ninos, the assembled ninos, because most of them, the ones without obvious wounds to their hands or arms, imitated the gesture. You have injuries to check. Have your injuries checked out, she said, her tone a little gentler. Get some rest. I'll see you all at sunrise. Pal looked at Dante. I'm not going anywhere until she tells us who she began, but Marissa's voice carried across the tent, interrupting. Except you two, Marissa said, her eyes lasering on them. I want a word. Pow bristled. She imagined striding up to Marissa, demanding answers and not taking no for an answer. But instead, she was being summoned to the front of the classroom. Dante, however, stood up a little straighter, adjusting the chancla so it was visible above his pocket. They crossed the tent together. I want to apologize for being short with you earlier, Marissa said when they reached her. She gestured for them to sit down, and Dante lowered himself to the ground immediately. Pal looked at Marissa for a moment before complying. She didn't like taking orders from the older girl, but if she wanted answers, she'd have to pick her battles. Her throat was raw, and the bruises ached terribly, but she held her head high. She had to look strong for Emma. Naomi had gotten up to usher out the other kids, joined them once the tent was empty, sitting closer to Dante than Pal would have liked. As you probably gathered from my speech, you couldn't have come at a more appropriate time, Marissa said. The Niños de la Luz guard the liminal spaces in the world. This area is under protection, and... Sorry, Pau interrupted, but what's a liminal space? I apologize, said Marissa, backtracking without condescension. This definitely wasn't the same girl she knew from the lunchroom. A liminal space in this context means a place between the world we know and the magical world. The one populated with supernatural beings, spirits, monsters, that sort of thing. So the cactus field is one? <clears throat> Pow asked. But there are others? Countless others, Naomi said, each protected by their own soldiers. But this is a critical border, added Marissa. The Gila River is the source of a concentrated amount of magical energy. We're not sure why, but that energy seems to be mostly malevolent. Pow gave her a look. Er, bad. It's mostly bad. Dark magic would probably be the way you've heard it phrased. We waited. She waited until Pow nodded, then continued. This cactus field is near a rift, an opening between the two worlds. The Ninos de la Luz are tasked with protecting the border when it grows weak. This area is most vulnerable during the moon's third quarter, a time of letting go and forgiveness on this side, and a time when the beings on the other side seem bent on anger and vengeance. The tension between the opposing forces causes the barrier to deteriorate. So you're saying there will be more monsters, Dante said, setting his jaw like he was the hero destined to protect them from all things evil. 
even though Pao was the one who had saved his butt by remembering the chancla. She wanted to shake him. Naomi and Marissa exchanged a glance. Yes, Marissa confirmed. And we are here to stop them during the periods when this world is vulnerable. The rest of the month, the barrier stays closed. But there's something different about the summer solstice, right? Pao asked, her voice sounding more accusatory than she intended. Something worse. Another shared glance. Another long pause. Yes, Marissa said again. This time, our job will be much harder. Pao opened her mouth to ask another question, but Marissa anticipated it. And no, we don't know what will happen, she said, her voice taking on a hint of impatience. Not with any certainty, anyway. But it will be easier for the rift creatures to cross over. We have to be ready for whatever comes, including the ahogados. They, if they get out into the human realm. What's with those ahogados, anyway? Pao asked. Are they angry? They no longer have human feelings, said Marissa, and they are fed by an evil so deep they have no mercy. Her eyes were fixed unflinchingly on Pao's. If they come in numbers, I fear we won't be able to stop them. What will happen, then? Dante asked. They'll start with the town outside the cactus field, said Marissa, and, prompted Pao. We believe they'll kill the humans, said Naomi, all of them. Pao's sore throat closed up as if the mono were still gripping it. Dante clenched his jaw tighter, his only reaction, but Pao knew he was thinking about his abuela, just like she was thinking of her mom. You're tourists here, Marissa said after a moment of stunned silence. You're under no obligation to help us. The Ninos have battled their way through third quarters for a hundred years, but what we're seeing now, leading up to the solstice, is like nothing we've experienced before. She paused long enough to let this sink in, looking between them, her face somber and serious in the torchlight. Pao couldn't help but admire her, just a little. The way you two fought today, she said, shaking her head in appreciation. We could use your help. We'd be honored to have you join the Niños de la Luz. Another beat of silence followed. Marissa and Naomi had their eyes on Pao, but she looked at Dante. She had leaned, he had leaned forward at the invitation, and she knew he was about to open a rift of his own between them. She could easily read his thoughts on his face. He wanted to say yes to swing his shiny club and vanquish monsters and have girls feed him stew at the end of a long day of heroic deeds. He wanted it in the same way he wanted to score the winning goal in the soccer games and to go to parties with cheerleaders in attendance. In that moment, Powell realized he'd been right about her. It was always going to come back to this, her wanting things to stay the same and him always wanting to leave her behind. She turned back to Marissa and Naomi. We're not committing to anything right now except rescuing our friend, Powell said speaking for Dante, too, and knowing he would hate it. We asked for information, and you barely gave us the time of day. If you won't help us save her, we will find someone else who will. Pow, Dante said under his breath, as if they weren't all sitting right next to one another. We can't save Emma if we're all dead. Of course, said Marissa, pretending she hadn't heard Dante. Was that respect Pow now saw in her eyes? What would you like to know? Pow was surprised, but Dante looked at her smugly, even though he had wrinkled under Marissa's thumb just a few hours ago. Pow would deal with him later. The kids who disappeared from our world, she said, the ones you said weren't lucky enough to end up in the cactus field. Is that where they end up? In the rift? Marissa sighed. We don't know. She held up her hand. And that's the honest truth. We don't know where the children get taken. Well, has anyone checked the evil magic rift? It's not that simple, Naomi said, her eyes narrowing, despite Marissa's chastising nudge. 
It's not safe. The Ninos protect against the rift. We don't go gallivanting around inside it, getting ourselves killed. But judging from Naomi's prickliness, coupled with the look on Marissa's face, Pau knew they weren't telling the whole story. Something in that rift was stealing kids, and Pau wasn't planning to rest until she found out what it was. Our friend disappeared two nights ago, Pau said, looking at, directly at Marissa. If you had to guess where she is, if the safety of all your niños depended on it, what would you say? Marissa held Pau's gaze for a beat before answering. I'd say she's beyond your help, she replied unflinchingly, and you should fight for the living. Pau and Dante both gasped, but Pau wasn't willing to accept it as fact, not without further exploration and evidence. We'll have to think about it, she said, getting to her feet. Pau was halfway to the tent flap before she realized Dante wasn't behind her. You coming? she asked, without turning around, trying to sound like she didn't care one way or the other. I'll be right back, she heard him say to the older girls, and she couldn't tamp down the anger that flared in her chest. So kind of you to spare a moment of your time, she snarled when he caught up. I know you're in high demand after your little display earlier. Sometimes when Pau got snappy with him, Dante looked like a wounded puppy. It was always it always ended their arguments way sooner, but tonight he wasn't rolling over. Don't, he said. I'm not trying to pick a fight with you. I just want to know what you're thinking. Did you hear them? If we don't help the Ninos get through the solstice, everyone in Silver Springs will be in danger. My ears are working just fine, Pau said, eyes flashing. It's my spontaneous cult-joining organ that seems to be malfunctioning. Cult? Dante echoed, his eyes going wide and incredulous. They're heroes, Pau. They're trying to save our families, our entire town, maybe even the world. And what about Emma, huh? Pau asked. Who's going to save her? Dante looked a little chastised. We don't even know where she is. But the tops of his ears were purple again, and Pau knew she'd had a nerve. And you heard what Marissa said. We have to fight for the living. We have to survive if we want to find her. Staying here and playing whack-a-monster with these kids isn't going to help her, Pau said. And if you paid attention to how weird they were when I asked about that rift, you'd know exactly where the answers are. Dante opened his mouth to argue, but Pau wasn't done. In case you forgot, that's the reason we're in here. Not to impress a bunch of girls with our shiny new weapons, but to find our best friend who needs our help. Dante, angry Dante, returned in a flash. You know what I think, Pau? He asked, though he didn't wait for an answer. I think you're just jealous. Of some meathead wannabe jock with a glorified baseball bat, Pau said, knowing it was cruel and wanting to be it, wanting it to be in your dreams. When she stormed off, he didn't follow, and that was fine with Pau. Just fine.